John, I'm going to do a classic podcast trick. I'm going oh. to ask you a question, then answer it myself with a personal anecdote. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm ready. What do you think of escape rooms? Well, I think that escape rooms are nice, and they're a good little diversion for a night. Yeah. Um, but I don't think more than once a month is really all you need to do. I, I and honestly, like, I, I have friends who are, like, obsessed with them, and really? they've done everyone in town, and now they, like, it's it's like playing a video game too much, you know? It's like you reach the end of the content, and then you're bored, so. Okay, more than once a month. I, I'm worried about more than once, period, because I did my second <laughs> recently, and, okay. yeah, it just... It, Your second overall. Yes, yeah, second, second overall. Second in my lifetime, okay. let's say. <laughs> um, let's, let's say that, because that's accurate. And there was something about being, like, too savvy with it. Mm-hmm. Like the first time was special, that virgin territory. You know, so you always remember your first time. The second time around, you obviously know all the tricks and what to look for, and how you can your team can divide and conquer. So yeah, there was mm-hmm. something about it that just felt uh, a little less special. Same with watching like Game of Thrones. Now everybody's obsessed with it and knows like every little twist and can expect what's going to happen. So it's it just doesn't, just doesn't feel the exact the exact same way. Uh, I was wondering how you how you felt about that. I mean, I haven't really done enough. I'm I'm pretty much in virgin territory myself. Mm. I've only done like a handful in my whole life. And yes, after a while, you do kind of recognize the patterns. But I think that's mostly because yeah, it's it's such a big fad right now. It's cropped up overnight so quickly that's that true. obviously they don't have too many good ideas that they can all share. <laughs> so it's like the crop of superhero movies. It's like, what are the beats we have to hit? What are the, What is it that people like? So yeah, and you can only I, you know do as good of the same version pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's not like yeah, it's not so, like you can introduce anything new with it. Um, I don't know unless they get elevators involved. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I say let's revisit escape rooms in another year. See where they're at. Okay. I mean, granted, half of them will be closed, but that means only the cream has risen to the top, right? Right. Right. Absolutely. And I'm anticipating that uh, we'll go through a harrowing experience that will be the basis for a new Screen Gems <laughs> horror film. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Blumhouse presents. Yes. <laughs> escape room? Esca- can we... Can we... <laughs> yeah. I, I'm hesitant to bring it up because I can't say the word escape. Escape. Mm. I, I want to put an X in there. Like uh, like our, Bri- like our British like our British mates across the pond, oi. Who want to put a J in, imme- in immediately. <laughs> <laughs> or a C-H in tube. Tube, yes. <laughs> We're taking the tube. Tube. Ah, those lovable Brits. Yes, hello, welcome to the Aspiring Snobs podcast. (laughs) Now, you spent a semester in England, and Mm. I'm surprised, you you know, you're obviously a massive Anglophile. Absolutely. And you're also a complete tosspot. (laughs) So I'm surprised you didn't come back with a fake uh, British accent. I did not adopt the accent. I did, however, adopt some of the vernacular. Um, I began to call things rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) We would start, we would go to the supermarket, Mm -hmm. pick up a trolley. Yes, I'd pick up a trolley, um, put it in the boot of my car. (laughs) (laughs) Grab some crisp, grab me a crisp packet while you're there. Yes. No, that was like, that was weird New Zealand territory. Yeah. Crisps. Crisps. (laughs) I just we watched Thor Ragnarok, so I think that's why I got it in my head. Yeah. So this is the accent episode. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Finally, you know, all our fans were clamoring more accents. Please. You <laughs> yeah. guys are hilarious and so good at them. <laughs> Indeed. And there's a very key important reason why we're doing accents, mate. Because it's Easter. It's after <laughs> Easter now, and we can laugh again. <laughs> no, not true. Well, that is true. It is technically after Easter. Um, But to to cleanse our palate following the Passion of the Christ, um, we decided to take a more blasphemous look at, uh, an even less blasphemous look, if you you consider it, at the life of Jesus. Um, And that's with Monty Python's 
the life of Brian. Brian, the babe they call Brian. He grew, grew, grew and grew, grew up to be. I do love that opening number because I am such a James Bond fan. And yeah, it seems like some some laughs are made particularly for you. Now, we should probably, we, we talked a little bit about our history with this film. This film, for us personally, is a bit of a taste of the forbidden fruit, shall we say. Yes, our parents specifically forbade us from watching this movie because of its blasphemous reputation. Yes. Uh, our dad weirdly was a huge Monty Python fan. He mm-hmm. had like uh, he had taped episodes that he taped from like PBS, and we would watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail like endlessly. We watched that must yeah. like that was one of the films in heavy rotation as we grew up. But for some reason he was like, well, we're not going to watch Life of Brian because that's bad for you, and we're not going to watch Meaning of Life because that's just a bad movie. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so. <laughs> We've never touched the other Monty Python films. They also, surprisingly, I discovered they had another film before this. Did they? Which, yeah, which apparently was just so bad they just never <laughs> released it. <laughs> or it's just so kind of like scattershot. I think okay. it's kind of like a, it's like their version of Kentucky Fried Movie or something like yeah. that. Yeah, or like Orson Welles is too much Johnson or something. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm bringing I'm bringing the erudite references here, but oh, um, good for you. <laughs> yeah. So this is our first exposure to the life of Brian. And unfortunately, I'm worried that because you and I love Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like it would just keep drawing comparisons to that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more going on in this movie. I compare it to, um, see, the thing is, comedy is like a bottle of wine, um, an open bottle of wine. <laughs> so maybe it retains some of its taste, but it's damn dangerous, and you better be careful. And I feel like there's there's a lot of that in this movie. There's, mm. there's still some solid laughs, but there's also some very dated material. Um, yes. Including problematic, not even if you're a, a practicing Christian or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think... On the one hand, they were much more ambitious because this is much more of a satire than uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail was. I mean, that was kind of like a parody, but there wasn't a kind of huge amount of satire. Yeah. And also childish. To... I mean, it was for a broad audience. This is much exactly. more. This is much more they're taking the piss. Yes, taking the piss, mate. Boy. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. Because of that, it's so po- it's more pointed. And therefore, I think when they when it misses, it hurts a little bit more. And then also, yeah. yes, you get a lot more dated material. Let's talk about what's really dated in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I'll go first. Go ahead. Um, the skewering of 70s politics. Uh, one of the big set pieces that surrounds this movie is the fact that Brian gets caught up in like a a parody of a 70s like leftist radical group. Yes, this has come from an era of, like, say, the People's Temple or the Symbionese Liberation Front. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of different quasi-religious or political groups kind of coming together, and that's really what the movie's kind of its vision of first-century Judea is basically <laughs> applying to. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, it it doesn't really feel contemporary, and you have to kind of cast your mind back to what that era was like, say, under the threat of nuclear war, slow economy, people feeling mm-hmm. powerless, like distrust yeah. of the government, obviously. Yeah. Which you know, again, like it makes sense in context and what the movie's trying to do with it. But again, like, 
we've never experienced that personally. And again, no. like it dates the movie instantly. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I have one that's that's even worse. And it's in the very opening scene. <laughs> so you mean with the three wise men? Yes. Because it sets up the, the, basically the life of Brian follows this guy who was born in the manger next door to Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so the three wise men come in and mistake him. And there's a very funny scene uh, in which uh, Eric Idle, I believe, is playing his mother. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, that's uh, Terry Jones. Terry Jones, sorry, I, I couldn't bother to keep track. Every every <laughs> Python is playing about 15 different characters, so it's fine. I just I didn't bother keeping track anymore. Yep. But that that's fine as like a comedy skit where she's trying to say like, oh yeah, she's sa-, and she's clearly just trying to extract gifts from these guys. Um, the, pro- the problem is that one of the wise men is in blackface. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> I believe that's Michael Palin, but again, we cannot be too sure. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I don't care who. What's what's important is the why. Why did they feel that was necessary? Because this was obviously given to us by Disney executives who thought we needed to brown up the extras <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna claim that this takes place in the Middle East, right? Right, guys. That's fair. I don't know. I mean, again, like it's it's one of those things. I'm glad you phrased it kind of perfectly. Like either laugh hits or hit they hit or they hurt. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So that, so. In spite of, in spite of every laugh that the movie extracts, there's some of it that that kind of just stings a little bit. And um, mm-hmm. I want to go back to the religious satire a bit, mm-hmm. because that doesn't really come in until about the third act, when Brian, who's just this nobody from first century Judea, like they're barely bringing Jesus at all. The the second scene takes place at the Sermon on the Mount, and they extract some comedy out of being unable to hear him <laughs> yeah jesus is barely even a background character at all yeah. he's like he's so in the background you can't even hear him so <laughs> yeah so what what happens is there yeah obviously these many different factions to reflect in the 1970s you know exploration of uh quasi-religious movements and things like that mm-hmm. and that's when uh, brian becomes this religious leader and I think the blasphemous part is that basically it's saying, like, this is arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Like, any leader can come out of, like, anywhere. Um, but what hurts more, like, I guess <laughs> that's kind of the blasphemous bit. But what, what, I, what really made my stomach kind of turn is that he doesn't want to be a religious leader and implores them, implores all his followers to think for themselves. <laughs> and what do they do? They respond in unison, like, yes, we will think for ourselves. <laughs> exactly. I... I I think what the Pythons are obviously going for is, like, use your critical thinking skills and, and don't just follow the latest trends. But what it comes across as, you fucking idiots, like, just <laughs> don't follow stupid things, you dum-dums. <laughs> I got the same, like, bad feeling watching Idiocracy. Yeah. Like, it's that like mo- you have to have a pretty dim view of humanity if you're making this kind of comedy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it felt really like punching down in these mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, and then again, you can make the argument that it's like, yes, this is obviously a, a satire of Christi- of the early days of Christianity. But yeah, like overall, it's like belief systems are pretty stupid, right? Because they kind of force you into this box and everyone just kind of like goes along. It turns you into sheep. And that's not necessarily something it's saying about Christianity, but I think religion as a whole. So, I, and yes, that like I want to give them credit for at least trying to make that point. But again, does it make, a, make it a good job at capturing that point no not really because like you said uh brian doesn't get confused for a messiah figure until like way too late in the movie yeah so it's like if you were trying to make this point then you got to it a little too late because again they're going for the whole mighty python shtick which is very episodic very skit like now granted some of those skits are very funny but 
if you're trying to make a larger kind of point, make it earlier. <laughs> make it more often. They bled us white, those bastards. They've taken everything we had. And not just from us, from our fathers, and from our fathers' fathers. And from our fathers' fathers' fathers. Yeah. And from our fathers' 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 fathers. You're right, Sam. Don't labor the point. And what have they ever given us in return? The aqueduct. What? The aqueduct. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did give us that. That's true, yeah. And the sanitation. Oh, yeah, the sanitation, Reg. Remember what the city used to be like? Yeah, all right, I'll grant you, the aqueduct and the sanitation are two things the Romans have done. And the roads. Well, yeah, obviously yeah. the roads. I mean, the roads go without sand, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct, and the road... Irrigation. Medicine. Huh? Education. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And the wine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's something we've really missed, Reg, if the Romans left. <laughs> Public baths. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly know how to keep order. Let's face it, the only ones who could in a place like this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? Brought peace? Oh, peace! Shut up! Yeah, obviously I didn't want to fall into just like, oh, this isn't as good as Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, well, I mean, but if, if we do have to nitpick, which I think we will, yeah. um, I think there's other problems, which is what inevitably makes it less funny than the Holy Grail, which is, surprisingly, I think it is the presence of Graham Chapman. I think he's perfect as King Arthur. I don't think he does as good a job here, because in uh, the Holy Grail, he's doing the classic hilarious white man trope, which is misplaced confidence. Yeah. And, you know, he plays that perfectly. Here, yeah. Brian is just kind of like, he's just kind of a wet blank. I don't even really know what he is. <laughs> exactly. Like, the, we're not like Robert McKee, like, um, story <laughs> experts or something like that. But we, we have to basically apply the criticism here. Basically, Monty Python movies are just excuses for ridiculous sketches and silly mm -hmm. voices and stuff like that. But at least in The Holy Grail, we're following a story with a clear goal, like... Uh, King Arthur wants to find the Holy Grail and on his journey he runs into all these kooky characters and that's where the comedy comes from. Mm -hmm. Here uh, Brian is just like kind of wandering aimlessly he doesn't really have a goal until he meets an attractive woman who's part of this um, Jewish this oppressed Jewish minority this this small group and so he just bumbles his way and gets chased around a lot so mm -hmm. it's like our main character doesn't have any agency so you're not really invested in seeing like where the comedy goes or when he's say distracted like one of the best skits is he's clearly being chased by roman centurions mm -hmm. um he wants to buy like a disguise but the <laughs> the one of the shops one of the stalls stall owners like forces him to haggle like like come on let's have a little fun little game of haggling here <laughs> You know, that is definitely by far the funniest skit in the whole movie, so yes. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, it's because it's, it's a very funny skit, but also it has the stakes involved mm -hmm. of, like, Brian getting chased. But the rest of, the, the rest of it doesn't really, isn't really as motivated as the issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that's one of the bigger problems of the movie. The other thing, too, is I feel like they end up repeating themselves a lot more in this movie as opposed to the Holy Grail. Like, the Holy Grail was such a slapdash, bonkers, like... Exercise in filmmaking. Yeah, <laughs> that it's a miracle they got anything workable out of that. Here, apparently, you know, filming went a lot smoother. They felt like they were like they had a good script and a good plan. And because of that, I just feel like it's more like of a letdown. It's just like, where's that anarchic spirit? 
yeah, the the other, and I don't want to say like everything wrong with Life of Brian, but another, I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, another like little sketch thing that I think is memorable. Not so much today. Again, it's aged like like a cut open avocado at this point. But <laughs> um, they're sitting in this coliseum, and a character announces, "I want to be a woman." Yeah, exactly. And like obviously they can't wrap their heads logically around this. Like you want to have babies, but you don't have a uterus. Blah 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 blah. Obviously, today takes on a, a far a far uglier meaning. Like yeah. completely dismissing somebody's gender identity, things like that. But also, that doesn't pay off at all. <laughs> Basically, the character announces that um, that he's gender fluid or something like that. They have a fun little dialogue for that one particular scene in the Coliseum, and that's it. Other than maybe so, a scene later where they don't know whether to call him or her uh, Loretta or something. Yeah, but you see, I think I kind of, like, I wish the movie had more of that. Instead, what it does is it keeps bringing back characters who I didn't particularly find funny the first time. Like, for instance, Pontius Pilate, whose only joke is, oh, he has a funny voice. <laughs> he can't pronounce W's. Yeah. No, he pronounces he has his R's as W, John. Oh, sorry, my, uh, my apologies. And he also has a lisp, and he's saying big dickus or something <laughs> like that. And it's like, they use him for like three scenes, and I'm like, well, I didn't find him particularly funny the first time. Yeah. <laughs> now, compare that, again, we're just going to do this endlessly, compare yeah. that to the Holy Grail, and we have Terry Jones playing, oh, I didn't vote for you. <laughs> like, that was perfect for that one scene. Here he's playing Mandy, apparently is her name. <laughs> That's the <Yeah>. mom. <laughs> Brian's mom, Mandy, for like half the movie. And it kind of became quite grating. <laughs> like, at first, like, they obviously knew that worked for um, oh, the Holy Grail, and they bring it over to this one, but it just kind of becomes overkill now that she's like a main character of the actual movie. <laughs> well, main character, and also, I, I thought they were going to have a, this little twist where she, um, once all of. Brian's followers come to his door mm-hmm. and she tries to shoo them away and and they actually start worshiping him as the mother of Brian like I thought and there's this little hint that oh she likes the the adoration that she gets from this well I mean it's a it's a it's a mirror of what happened with the three wise men like get out but we have gifts oh well what are you waiting for come in yeah <laughs> and so I thought that would have maybe taken the story in a whole new direction <laughs> like <laughs> like now I'm gonna force my son to be this religious leader or something but no it's exactly it, like Nothing, nothing pays off. It, I, I'm surprised that they thought they had stronger material here. Obviously, they were much cheekier this time, and it feels like their their comedy is more dangerous because they're taking down the, the Christian church and <laughs> satirizing <laughs> 70s life. Uh, ooh, re- you, you pythons rebels. <laughs> but then that's contrasted with the like easier material like making fun of people with stutters yeah making fun of people who identify as a woman like like yeah. that's just cheap that's just childish <laughs> so it's like there's also that disconnect between like there's a biting satire like making fun of religious ooh religion ooh it's blasphemous but then also are these people goofballs don't they talk funny yeah like those those two things don't gel i don't think you can quite i mean Granted, I mean, I'm not going to complain about more jokes than less, but still, it's like there's a lot more misses than hits in this movie, unfortunately. St. Julian, do you have anyone of that name in the garden? Well, no, sir. Well, you sound very sure. Have you checked? Well, no, sir. Um, I think it's a joke, sir. Like, uh, silly or sodas or biggest digger, sir. What's so uh, funny about biggest diggers? Well, it's a joke name, sir. I have a very great friend in Rome called Biggest Dickers. <laughs> Silence! 
What is all this insolence? You will find yourself in gladiator school very quickly with rotten behavior like that. Come on, go now, sir. Ah! Wait, your biggest sticker hears of this. Wait! Take him away! Oh, sir, he, uh... No, no, I want him fighting rabid wild animals within a week. Yes, sir. And maybe the other thing, too, is, like, we've only seen this once now. I feel like yeah. I really do need to see it again, and maybe there's a few more jokes that I'll get this time that I'll catch and I'll appreciate. Mm. Like, there's one little side gag where they're they're breaking into a Roman building, and they they pop up through the uh, floor. So they break open the uh, stone floor, <laughs> and there's a there's a fresco, there's a motif written on the floor, and they're coming out of a woman's vagina. <laughs> I thought that was clever. I thought that was a good side gag. Yeah, that's, that's okay. I... I don't know if there, there's anything else I'm missing because mm. I can't quite square like kind of the anarchic thing because one of the more memorable pieces of this movie, speaking of dated humor, is um, they clearly wanted to also take the piss out of Star Wars at one point. So there's this two-minute diversion <laughs> where uh, Eric Idle, sorry, uh, Terry Jones as, jeez, oh, sorry, Graham <laughs> Chapman as Brian... <laughs> Basically gets waylaid onto an alien ship. <laughs> he's about to fall, and they really... I guess the writers just couldn't figure out how he's going to get out of this one, so he falls and an alien ship catches him. <laughs> yes, and they have a... T- literally, I believe it's only two minutes. They have a space... They have a battle in space for about two minutes, and they crash mm-hmm. back to Earth, and he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> See, I liked it because... You know, I was wondering, where's Terry Gilliam going to enter the frame? And then, oh, that's where you were hiding. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, like Monty Python and the Holy Grail did a similar thing where they did a little, like an interlude segment almost perfectly halfway through the movie where it becomes those 2D uh, animations that look like paper cutouts. And it's like a guy going up and down the tower or whatever. So, I mean, for me, it's like I was kind of expecting it in a Monty Python (laughs) film, so I wasn't too weirded out by it. And honestly, like, it kind of perked me up again. And I thought it was quite, I thought it was a really clever design. Like, those aliens, they have, like, one oh, yeah. eye and it's a, a hand puppet. So I thought it yeah. was, I thought it was pretty interesting. And again, it got him out of that jam. It's like, how's he going to get out of this one? Uh, alien swim win. <laughs> and then they crash and then we're done. Maybe it's just a product of age because um, I don't think it's as inventive or clever as the, the animator having a fa- sudden and fatal heart attack. <laughs> oh. <laughs> In terms of riding yourself out of a corner. Okay. <laughs> That's the other thing, too. There's not a lot of uh, fourth wall breaks or reminders that you're watching a movie as much as uh, Monty Python had. You know, you have that, and then also the cops just come in and I, arrest exactly. at the end. I think maybe I also like wanted some consequence, because it's, it's just a literal distraction. Consequence? He got crucified at the end. <laughs> I, I know. Well, a consequence for the aliens to come back or something. You know, maybe they could have oh, okay. ta- taken him off the cross, and now okay. they revere him as their leader or something. That is true. Yes, that is true. Should, should we get to that? Should we get to that ending, John? The... I mean, it is quite a spectacular ending. Not gonna lie. <laughs> they bring back um, the Passion of the Christ only has three crucifixions. Yeah, this one's got a whole groupful. Yeah. Um, and they also bring back a character they introduced earlier, who was kind of like a one-upsman. He was like, "Oh, you got crucified. Oh, you're getting off lucky." <laughs> like, and then there's yeah, like there's one who's just uh, I think he's played by uh, Eric Idle. He's making like jokes about it. He's like, <laughs> you know, pulling everyone's leg. And at a certain point, they actually pardon Brian. And he's like, oh, I'm Brian. And it's like it's a spoof of Spartacus. It's like yeah. I'm Brian. They're all trying to get off their crosses. <laughs> I thought it was pretty. I thought it kind of brought it together at the end. But maybe I was just grateful it was almost over. <laughs> mm. 
Is I I like the scene prior to that where they're kind of bureaucratically leading people through when there's a there's a <laughs> gentleman like you're you're here for a crucifixion great here just go through the door on the right. <laughs> there's a lot of little clever funny moments in this yeah. movie. That, and, and I should probably be fair. My favorite sketch is um they recruit Brian to basically commit some vandalism mm-hmm. and say like Romans go home, and once a, centur- <laughs> a centurion acc- accosts him. Uh, the centurion is played by um, John Cleese. Um, he basically becomes his teacher, like saying, "Like that's no, that's not the correct Latin. <laughs> Recite it again. Now do that a hundred times." <laughs> so he ends up graffitiing it all over, like up yes. and down, <laughs> and then gets up the next morning, and the whole thing is painted. <laughs> yes. I mean, it feels a bit weird complaining about a Monty Python film not having good structure. Like, where was the, where was the, where's the tight screenplay I expect from them? <laughs> Well, I think it's just that that's kind of the surface level criticism. Beneath it, there's the punching down, there's the mm-hmm. kind of queasy humor, like the the anti-trans humor and the blackface and stuff like that. So, I don't, I don't know. I I I wish I I admired this as as many internet personalities do, but <laughs> I do think there is a reason why Monty Python and the Holy Grail is lauded as a classic, and Life of Brian is like, oh, extended studies, you yeah. Know? <laughs> Now you've moved on to Monty Python 102, and it's uh, it's less yeah. fun. <laughs> this one feels like homework. Exactly. If you want to major in Monty Python, you have to <laughs> you have to be a completionist. You have to understand canon. Oh, but meaning of life. Ugh. Everyone can skip that one. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know the meaning of life was so derided. I just uh, know there's that scene with a, somebody in a fat suit and he explodes. I I think I think it's pretty evident from that one that they're kind of running on fumes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Always look on the bright side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. I mean, I part of also I think there's a kind of cheeky understanding that whenever Monty Python does reunite or whenever they do have a project, it's because residuals have run out at a certain point <laughs> and everyone wants to get paid, so I thought they were doing fine. I mean they all met at Oxford or something, so it's not like they're hurting. <laughs> I suppose, Greg, but, you know, comedy doesn't pay. Comedy doesn't pay. That's true. I mean, have any of them been knighted? We don't know. No, uh, I'm sure they have. Come on, everybody. I don't know. I'm looking at IMDb. I don't see any sirs. You and I are going to enter the OBE next week. (laughs) No, I don't don't see any sirs. Would they actually actually be credited on IMDb as sir? You know what? They probably actually refused. 
Mm. They've probably been offered, but they, to keep up their comedy bona fides, they're like, we're not going to be ah, part of yes. the establishment. So no, the, not going to be queen, part of the you man. Can, you can take it. You can take your OBE and shove it, ma'am. Oi! <laughs> Telling the queen to shove it. Oh, these oh, these rebels, these rascals. I know. Where will they go next? <laughs> so sorry, folks. If you if you are a fan of sacred cows or holds being barred, then you will not like the life of Brian. <laughs> I think it's fine. I would still probably recommend it, but you know, again, temper your expectations. I think, yeah, I think temper your expectations. Not nearly as good as Monty Python on the Holy Grail, but still, like, mm-hmm. there's still laughs to be had. Yeah, and folks, this is a reason why we don't do a lot of comedies on this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> exactly. this was like, funny. This wasn't. <laughs> I like to think we do like intelligent readings of films and, and look beneath the surface. But yeah, with the comedy, like, did it make us laugh or not? <laughs> Comedy's harder to be critical of because it's it's a guttural reaction. So you either have that reaction or you don't. Exactly. I think that's why Jordan Peele's movies are so popular right now. It's because you know it's like yes, they have that guttural reaction, but also they're thinking man's horror. They're elevated horror. <laughs> yes. Where's my snifter? <laughs> exactly. I I prefer elevated horror such as The Curse of La Giona <laughs> <laughs> and Escape Room. Yes. Did Escape Room come out this year? I can't even remember. Yes, it did in the winter. I, I <laughs> oh my it was gosh! The first, the first major release after just prime time for movies after <laughs> New Year's Eve. Okay. Or New Year's Day. Excuse me. You ready to feel old? Escape Room came out this year. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> But Greg, maybe we can recommend some other recent releases that'll help put something on someone's radar. We can shine some kind of, I don't know, some kind of light that illuminates some sort of spot. <laughs> I'm trying to put two and two together and nothing's coming. Ugh. I've, I've got it. A light spot. Light spot. Light spot. Light spot. It's time, Robbie. It's time. There we go. Light spot. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I've, I wish you didn't add the caveat recent, because all I've been doing is just watching uh, coding clips on YouTube. No. <laughs> Dirty Rock reruns. Greg, you have to expand your horizons. You have to learn new th- You have to experience new things. Come on. What are you doing? What are, what and I have, watching John. Okay. And I have. I, I, I would like to take it now from from the island of Great Britain, oi. <laughs> oh, another another Jolly Roger we got here. No, 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 John. We're gonna take it we're gonna take it a, a, a bit west. Alright, and then I've got I've got a recommendation from Ireland. Alright. Oh oh Faith and Begora. Where is yes. this going? Yes. Well uh, alongside uh, big serious uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones on HBO now, you can also watch the delightful Irish comedy, Waking Ned Devine. Mm. I'm familiar with this movie. Yes, my girlfriend has a tradition where she watches this every St. Patrick's Day. We've been very busy, though, so we push it <laughs> off until April. It's like but when I'm you promise she... you're going to do Friendsgiving in November, and then uh, yes. you end up doing it in March. <laughs> exactly, when everyone's schedules are clear. But I'm glad she exposed me to this this light, like really airy Irish comedy. It takes place in, the, in a tiny little village of uh, Tullymore, population 52. Ooh, Tullymore. Yes, and and one of the uh, citizens has won the lottery. Six million pounds, John. Is that a lot? (laughs) Yes, John. uh, About the equivalent of $12 million, John. For a tiny town, for a tiny little village of 52 folks, it's a big deal, all right? I mean, that's a very heavy coin, if you ask me. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Thank you. That's how you know this movie's old, because they're they're not using the euro. (laughs) Wait, did Ireland ever switch over? I know UK. Yeah, so Ireland uses the EU. What? Or yeah, Ireland's in the EU and they use the euro. 
Ugh, all right. Just another uh, another great divide between Ireland and Great Britain. Ugh. Exactly. Maybe uh, uh, maybe they'll have an uh, Irish exit. <laughs> Although, <laughs> as far as I can tell, they they do like the EU for now. <laughs> okay. Who knows? Maybe they'll have a, a racist referendum. <laughs> But anyway, uh, it turns out one of the winners is Ned Devine, but John, until uh, he drops dead from the shock of actually winning. So now the town has to concoct a way for him to claim those millions that they can divide amongst each other. Um, I know I'd, I'd, the way I just described that, it sounds very sinister and a little dark, but this is just the one of the lightest, fluffiest comedies I've ever seen. <laughs> So I I think it is a great diversion from, say, every TV show or, or movie now has to depict the end of the world or be the biggest serious thing you have to see. And so there, I think there is space for, like, a lovely little comedy like this. Um, our, our stars, are, it, also, just from a diversity standpoint, not, sorry, not racial diversity, I apologize, <laughs> this is Ireland we're talking about. But it's refreshing to see a story set in Ireland that is not set in Dublin. Um, this is on the far side of the island. In a so tiny it's on the Hebrides. Oh, wait, that's in Scotland, isn't it? Yeah, the... The, the Hebrides. Yeah, yeah, Inverness. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most of the village is over the age of 60, which is also cute. Um, <laughs> so our stars of the movie, I can't remember the actors' names. They're like Jamie and... Yes, they... <laughs> They they just basically he and his wife just basically lift this movie off its feet. Yeah, you just kind of like flutter away on a on a on a wave of joy as they try to bilk this uh, poor put upon like lottery winner who has to come all the way, all this way across <laughs> across the the country to uh, basically hand out these winnings. Okay. Or verify the winnings. How many Ed Sheeran songs are on the soundtrack? That's all I <laughs> well, care. none, because Ed Sheeran probably wasn't alive when this movie was made. <laughs> okay. There's, there's, I believe the score is infused with some delightful flute. <laughs> the only thing, I mean, yeah, maybe you do want like life or death stakes in your in your movie, so it may not be good for that. Also, you do you do require some tolerance for a naked old man because that is the basis for the biggest um, sequence where they have to <laughs> kind of rush around the house and pretend to take a shower and and ride a motorcycle to the other side of town. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. It's light and it's fun and, and it's a really enjoyable movie. So I hope pe- if people do have HBO now to go check it out. Okay. Yeah. With I it, mean, it, I prefer the American remake, a classic called Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> 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 no, John, there are none of those shenanigans. Also, Bernie was already rich. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see they have to adapt, because America's a land of plenty, so... <laughs> the lottery's the only way we're going to get out of this two-bit town. <laughs> no, John, they don't want to get out of the two-bit town. Um, I, I, f- I forgot to mention, there, there's, there's a myriad of storylines. Um, there's oh, the pig farmer that's, court- that's courting a fair maiden. Unfortunately, <laughs> he smells like pig shit. Oh, okay. I thought he was busy fucking those pigs. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you jest, but there's, there's another storyline involving a, a priest who's new to town and his relationship with a young boy. Like, <laughs> oh! <relationship>, yes, I, <laughs> that's not fun. Exactly. Not I believe there. they're just talking. I hope they're just talking. <laughs> this movie just became doubt. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> or worse, it just became Spotlight. I know. <laughs> oh, speaking of Spotlights, oh. oh. <laughs> no, but I, re- I refuse to let cynicism uh, color this uh, delightful movie, so. All right. Yeah. Two thumbs up from Greg. Yes. All right. My recommendation this week is, uh, it's kind of a up thumb, but um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a, a, a slightly crooked up thumb? Uh. Yeah, I don't know how much you'll 
the reason why I've kind of been enjoying it is because it is kind of pl- uh, playing by the same kind of rule book that I've learned to love, which is true crime. Greg, true crime is having a moment. It, it's been having a moment for about four years now, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, well, now TV executives have finally picked up on this. So, oh, finally. executives, yes. Yeah. And that's why Hulu has come out with a new show I've been watching called The Act. Ooh, this yes. is, for true crime heads out there. This is <laughs> this is one of the most delightful story. Delightful, what am I saying? <laughs> this is one of those. This is one of the greatest true stories I've ever read. Um, this is something you literally can't make up. Yes. Um, well, so apparently this is going to be an anthology series. So every new season is going to be a different case. But this one follows the. Okay, is that why it has a terrible title? The act. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> They're trying to. This is Hulu's attempt to make their own American crime story, okay? Got and it. it pretty much follows that template to a T. So okay. this is the story of uh, Dee Dee Blanchard and her daughter Gypsy Rose. And what drew me initially to the story, which is how obvious this is a case of Munchausen by proxy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what I like is it doesn't like it doesn't try to hide that fact. Like pretty much in the first to second episode, child services are called on her immediately. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I I think we should also clear up that anybody who's watching the show should be probably familiar with the story. I know it's probably been profiled on a number of different podcasts and long reads and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the case is Dee Dee had Munchausen by proxy, so obviously she tried to convince everyone that Gypsy Rose was debilitatingly yeah yeah, her daughter was debilitatingly sick uh she needed to be fed with a feeding tube she was in a wheelchair just all sorts of health problems and what's also kind of interesting is like the tv show plays coy with how much gypsy rose knew how much she was sick and how much she was in on the act as well because obviously her relationship with her mother is kind of abusive so even if gypsy didn't if she knew she wasn't that sick, she still kind of played it up because she knew that's what her mom wanted. And there's also kind of the whole financial benefits of having a daughter that's sick as well. Like, she gets so many donations, and, like, basically it's her meal ticket. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's an interesting kind of transition as the series goes on, and you kind of learn Gypsy Ro- or you see Gypsy Rose start to use that kind of manipulative behavior to her own benefits as she kind of strikes out on her own. It's it, There's a lot of kind of heavy-handed symbolism throughout the show. Uh, specifically with Gypsy, because one of the things Dee Dee's kept from her is her actual real age. Mm. She, you know, Dee Dee's kind of abusive and psychotic, so she wants to keep her as her little girl forever. And so she keeps consistently lying about her age to make her seem younger. Oh, she's born in 93. Oh, she's born in 95. Well, her birth certificate says 91. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of themes about, like, teenagers striking out on your own. She's f- surrounded her with, like, Disney ephemera. And so obviously when... As she gets older and she starts to become more sexually promiscuous, you know, there's that whole kind of, like, tie in there. She starts experimenting with bondage as well, which, again, like, is very heavy-handed symbolism based on her relationship with her mother. So, on the one hand, it's very compelling, but also, you know, it's playing by that kind of true crime template that American Crime Story is basically set up, which is a lot of flashbacks for foreshadowing and heavy-handed clues. Like, at one point, Dee Dee is actually... um, diagnosed with diabetes again mirroring like how she cares so much for gypsy even though she's really not that sick she kind of lets her own health fall by the wayside mm-hmm. and Dee, Dee makes a comment like when she needs help getting her uh injections of her insulin you know she makes that comment it's like oh gypsy just hates seeing her mother poked like this <laughs> very heavy-handed foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> well that brings back one question i have is 
does the show kind of cast judgment on these characters? Because you said it plays, it's playing ambiguously with how how much they're in on this scam. Because that's mm-hmm. that's what the crime story. This this was basically a scam. The the Munch the Munchausen syndrome by proxy basically became this mother's meal ticket. Um, I believe there was already a lifetime version of the story where <laughs> the mother is obviously the the evil queen and and Gypsy is the the innocent one. And based on the trailers I've seen for the act, it looks like it's focused more on Gypsy, uh, basically maturing and trying to break out of her mother's bondage. Is that the case, sir? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. That is totally the case. Now, granted, this is very much Patricia Arquette's show. She plays Dee Dee, mm. and she's kind of, I would say she's the star, or at least the one trying the hardest to go for an Emmy. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Joey King plays Gypsy, and she plays it very well, because, again, like, it's it's tough because you're right. She has to, like, the the show takes place over, like, seven years. Like, each episode is, like, a year length. So she has to kind of, like, play it from, like, 13 to 20 and and you know it's like obviously they don't like DH or digitally that's not done by Marvel but you know she it's it's funny how she has to like play that transition from like little girl to kind of conniving manipulative teenager so and also the other thing too is I wish she was in the show more but Chloe Sevigny is part of the cast she plays right. the kind of she plays uh, the uh, suspicious neighbor Mel <laughs> okay so she's kind of like the first person who needs to be won over so the rest of the town can be won over once Dee Dee and gypsy move into town the other thing too is they have like a built-in tragic backstory oh we're moving here from new orleans because of katrina you see we can't Mm. find many of her medical (laughs) records (laughs) okay okay so yeah i'm again true crime heads i'm sure they're going to devour the story if they haven't already in lifetime movie of the week slash podcast form so (laughs) and it's a very it's a very handsomely directed show it's it's Mm. uh got very clever uses of lighting when it kind of goes into like dream sequences. Uh, there's a lot of dream sequences. Oh. Yeah, there's. <laughs> uh, excuse me, it's called true crime. <laughs> Stick with reality here, please. Well, I mean, they need to find a clever way to do uh, Gypsy's correspondence. One of her, one of her ways that she, ex- you know, expands her horizons from a teenager is that she surreptitiously gets a laptop. Yeah, so she can yeah. do Facebook and reach out to men on the internet. Yes. Ironically enough, through Christian Mingle, and that's <laughs> that's where things go downhill real quick. Yeah. And court a uh, willing partner or lover, as it mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, I'm I'm hinting on where the story goes. Anyway, it's nuts. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. I I wasn't exactly compelled by the trailer. I don't know if that's that's the best format to experience this story, as nutty as it is. <laughs> But it sounds like there's there's stuff to watch in the act, so maybe maybe I will check it out. A- ads and all. Thank you, thank you, Hulu. Yeah, it's a very good show. So I, you know, even if you're not super into crew crime like I am, then you'll I think you'll get something out of it. Okay. Yeah. You did say true true <laughs> true crime. I'm trying to make it British, Greg. True crime. True, true time. Yeah. True time. <laughs> true time. Step in time. Step in time. <laughs> Nice callback to Mary Poppins there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We we know that because we're aspiring snobs heads. I mean, we're our own biggest fans. <laughs> yes, and hopefully you're an aspiring snobs head as well. I don't know why yeah. we're adding head to it. <laughs> the fans, I don't know. Yeah. Part of the reason why we named it this is so that the fans would call themselves on the name of the podcast, okay? No need to, like, jump ship and do, like, murderinos or anything like that. Like, yeah. we, we, we can pull double duty here. I know. But still, it's fun. Just call them heads or stands or I don't know. Or the aspiring snobs army. Yeah. Use some of the internet linguo, which linguo. <laughs> linguo dead. Linguo is dead. 
but use some of that that hip uh, internet nomenclature that you can find <laughs> on social media, which we happen to be on Facebook, Twitter. We're communicating via memes and gifts. We're keeping and... it 100, fam. Yes. Damn, <laughs> Daniel. Um... <laughs> I just feel my heart dying as I say these things. <laughs> yep. As well it should be. As well it should be. Oh. So yes, you can always follow us there and keep up with us with the latest news. Or if you want to reach out to us directly... You can always do it the old-fashioned way, with electronic mail, like a total poser. Old-fashioned way. <laughs> Until we get a P.O. box, then you can do it the, the ancient way. <laughs> you can send it by carrier pigeon. Yeah. But yes, you can reach out to us on our email, aspiringsnobs at gmail.com, with your questions, comments, or recommendations. Absolutely, we do take recommendations. I mean, there might have been other forbidden movies we weren't allowed to watch as kids. We can finally catch up. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's movies that you were forbidden from watching, and you would like our our consumer advice or impression that you can, as an adult, um, make your own decision, make an informed decision. Guys, help us get the most out of that explicit tag by recommending R-rated movies. Yeah. Ooh. How about X-rated movies, NC-17? <laughs> yeah, recommend Faces of Death. <laughs> we'll do <Yeah>. that. <laughs> that classic documentary john faces of death <laughs> i think it was nominated right yeah it was it won several oscars but hey since we've given you some genuine consumer advice and uh, our impressions on movies that are over 40 years old why not <laughs> do us a favor go to your podcast platform of choice apple Podcasts, stitcher what have you and uh, write us a little review uh, we mm-hmm. like five stars. Four, you know, if you're not feeling too generous. But um, just give us five stars. Say, hey, these guys are funny or insightful or, you know, just lie and say, you know, <laughs> that they we're the great. best podcast of all time, even though we clearly aren't. But I, I don't know. I think we're getting up there. Okay. <laughs> I think tomorrow it's going to be, I'm, I'm already picturing the chart. It's going to be Joe Rogan Experience, This American Life, Aspiring Stuff. Yeah. Well, there's no, yeah, there's no beating Joe Rogan. I mean, <laughs> Embarrassingly, there's no way that you could beat Joe Rogan, which, yeah. is, which says a lot about our culture, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah that's wild. Anyway, <laughs> can Monty, Monty Python come back to just savagely parody Monty, uh, Joe Rogan, please? Just somebody. Just somebody I know, please. John. He's un. He's un. You can't take him down a peg. He's too strong. <laughs> that's true. He's got all that MF, yeah. MMA strength. Exactly, physically and mentally, because he talks to high IQ guests. Like Alex Jones. Yeah. <laughs> How's your bear testosterone working out for you? Yeah. Anyway, let's get off negative s- subjects and instead move on to a, a lighter note, particularly the movie we're watching next week, so that you can watch along with us. Yes. And the movie we're watching next week uh, is also a recommendation. Mm. It's a movie you probably never even heard of. What? Yes. But how could it be a classic, Greg? It's a classic because it's in the IMDb Top of 250. What? Yes, it's it was a, uh, nominated for an Oscar. What? And John, I believe it's our first dive into the milieu of one Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> oh. Yes, this generation's David Fincher. I'm talking about his directorial debut, Incendie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you win. I've never heard of this. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> what? what 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 is this about? You're you're totally you're totally uh, throwing this at me. I'm I'm totally confused. <laughs> I I know. I, this is all unprompted. Usually, as much as it doesn't sound like it, we do prepare sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Yes. But I, I saw an avenue. Like we didn't have anything else on the schedule. We I saw an avenue, and it's still available on Netflix. So <laughs> all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> we need to get on that Criterion channel. We don't have that yet. Have you signed up for no, an I account yet. on that? No, I haven't All right. Yeah. Not that we would share. That would be wrong. Yeah, exactly. They need our support. Yeah. Anyway, th- with that, we hope that you've enjoyed this <laughs> wonderful experience that we've imparted on you. <laughs> Methinks you doth protest too much, Greg. <laughs> Perchance. Um, <laughs> we should go out on British accents, I think we would. Absolutely. It'll be top. It'll be top notch. <laughs> It'll be toppers. Yes. <laughs> Let's go have a point. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our drivel. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, oi, keep aspiring, you wanker. Always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath Always look on the right side of life Come on, cheer up! Always look on the right side of life Always look on the right side of life First thing's happened to see, you know From nothing, you know what I say? Cheer up, you old bugger. Come on, give us a grin. There you are. See? The end of the film. Incidentally, this record's available in the forehead. Some of us got to live as well, you know? Who do you think pays for all this rubbish?